That was a little loud. <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome. To not fam the podcast. Why why would that they're not gonna know that was loud. You didn't need to say that. That was loud for us. It was loud for us. <laughs> so and unless we adjust the volume, it will be loud for them too. Oh, okay. So for some reason that got turned up. Oh, okay. How are you today? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Good. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Almost over. Midweek, it's hump day. Hump day. I wasn't gonna say it. We we haven't we we've already had we had some guests for our last episode and we have future guests planned, so that's exciting. But today it's just us. Yep. Yup. Yup. How are you feeling today? I'm doing okay. Okay. I'm doing okay. I'm gonna put on my game face here and uh, get excited for today. Why do you need to get excited? I don't know. Maybe that's your first problem. Just to just to uh, show some enthusiasm. Um, no, how are you doing? <laughs> I am. I'm not. Knock on wood. I feeling. I'm feeling pretty good. Do, do you know? Uh, I feel um, pretty good today because I didn't have to study for any exams today. Mm-hmm. So I got all my studying done mm-hmm. on Monday and Tuesday of this week. So for my eleventh uh, grade mm-hmm. midterms. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> good. You get to study them, but not take them. Yes. So that could be maybe rewarding and not rewarding all at the same. Uh, all of it. All of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. There's so much stuff that even like going over it, I'm like, I don't know that I ever learned this. Probably yeah. did, but I don't recall. But well, some I of it's feel, interesting. It feels you know. good not to have to study too, just so you know from over here. Yeah. But but I've been feeling good overall recently. You know, we've talked and we talked previously about wanting to prioritize taking better care of ourselves this year. And I feel like, again, knock on wood, that that's been going pretty well. Like I've actually, this might sound ridiculous, but I've been, I've put on a few pounds and that's a good thing. Like it's been, I've struggled to that uh, is a good thing. keep weight on for several years now. I know it's all stress and anxiety related. Yeah. And I have been working so much more lately on anxiety, reducing anxiety just through managing my nervous system in different ways that I never thought about before. And so far it's working. Hopefully you feel, you feel supported in that. Supported? Hopefully. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, in managing your nervous system, hopefully you feel like you're not doing all of that alone. Like you're not taking it all on and trying to manage that well, that's a what bit of that? an oxymoron. My nervous system probably wouldn't be managed if that's how I felt. I know, but <laughs> that is uh, part of, I think, your personality and your dynamic. So we can talk a little bit about this, but we've already talked about our Myers-Briggs personality. Um, what do you call it? Yeah, well, yeah. Archetype. when you and I talked about the, those today because I've been listening to the we talked about it in another episode too, but for some yeah. reason it's present. I used to listen to the Personality Hacker podcast a lot and I haven't in like months and then maybe like even a couple of years with any regularity, but I've been listening to it a lot lately. They're the ones that introduced me to that generational theory. And then today I listened to a whole episode about um, AI chatbots and specifically they talked about which you, I keep hearing everybody say, and they just like spew it out really quickly. I'm like, what did you just say? But chat GPT, which I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news in like over a year. So I don't know what the hell's going on out there, to be honest. And it feels good. I recommend it for anyone. But yeah. um, th- it was just interesting. Obviously, that's a controversial technology that is here and here to stay. Yeah, it's here. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. So it's... um. You know, progressively or increasingly getting more accurate and more refined. I don't know anything about it. Well, they didn't have such a pessimistic view of it. But, you know, with any, I mean, do you remember in the 90s when they started adding barcode scans to the back of state issued IDs and everybody was flipping out about Big Brother? and And then the internet came. And so, I mean, this is like next, like they even explained, like this is next level, exponentially next level, but also too that like, just, this is it's also exciting too, and that maybe some of the the conspiracy around it isn't necessarily it's it's maybe a little dramatic. I mean, also something to be considered, but also maybe I don't know. Well, again, with, with AI and uh, the talk of replacing certain functions and things that we do, I think this AI, when it comes to this uh, chat related AI, mm-hmm. 
you know, for routine tasks and things like that to be able to respond to that. I, w- I just was reading something. Well, I didn't read a whole, a whole article about it, but somebody used it at, on a dating app to respond to, mm-hmm. you know, women on a dating app. Mm-hmm, and they said mm-hmm. 50% of the time it was so off base and it was totally crazy. And the other 50% yeah. of the time it actually produced responses that yeah. were... Well, and that's what they were saying. It could, you know, it's going to be refined with time. And, yeah. um, you know, it's just like when the internet first came out, there weren't that many websites. And now right. there's just, you know, infinite amount. But you'll have to listen to the podcast because it was interesting. Um, and clearly you didn't have care what I had to say about that. No, You're because like, yeah, I, yeah, no, okay, I'm trying I to... Th- okay, they talked on. about that. They talked okay. about that. And there's obviously some areas... We're still people. At the end of the day... AI has yet to replicate wisdom. That's what they they were saying. And I yeah. would agree with that. And actually, I was talking about this with some people in the world of mental health and psychology. And it was that same, uh, same agreement that there's a wisdom to the human experience right now that AI is unable to replicate. Um, and it doesn't seem to be that there's a capacity for that anytime soon either. And there's going to be some industries that aren't going to be needed anymore. And again, you'll have to listen to it because it was talking about like the movie industry, not even like their daughter was playing with it, like was able to create a movie. Like, I mean, but then also how, how that would flourish for creativity and keep in it. And um, I'm stuttering here, so I'll slow down. Sort of like right now, the creatives that are capable of making big pictures have to have the connections um, with people, with the money and the power, and that Mm -hmm. this is an opportunity to open it up to everyone to be able to be creative. Um, You know, and I know there's people that say there's also controversy about stealing art. And uh, I don't know. I I was just going to say that (laughs) the the whole thing with the, you know, the avatars and stuff, the AI generated avatars, Mm -hmm. and people complain about that. and, And I, I can understand some of that. However, I think for most people, generally speaking, it's not something they're even is on, you know, not even something they've considered or care about. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm not going to per, out to purchase digital artwork yeah. in any way. Mm-hmm. So understanding that the, uh, the learning that comes from other artwork mm-hmm. would maybe be used to produce that. But, but you could be replaced pretty easily. Yeah. Well, I was going to say when you, when it comes to, you know, um, non-emotional business decisions, which Mm -hmm. again, when you take the wisdom out of some of those decisions, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you have success. There's still so much more that goes into that. But yeah, for some day-to-day decisions and this is how Mm -hmm. this works and this process. Yeah, do better. Yeah. But it also might guide you. I mean, that's the idea is that it would guide individuals Mm -hmm. in, um, making the best decisions. It'll be interesting. There'll be certainly be drama around it, but it will, you know, so they, again, listen to the podcast. I just, I, I, they're my only exposure to this. So I'm, it's, I'm biased here, but obviously they just kind of talk it through about, you know, what it, first of all, explaining it for idiots like me that don't understand it, but then also just kind of like the, the implications of it all, both good and bad. And yeah, so it's interesting. But I was just joking about how it could replace you. You had brought up to go back to what we were talking about because yeah, you brought you up are. like the Myers Briggs stuff again. We were both, yeah, we both listened to because well, I because they they their podcast is dedicated to the Myers Briggs personality test typing um, test, and I mean they've got like four hundred episodes or more. Yeah. So you and I both listened respectively. Yeah, to they go back, I think, types. to 2014. I didn't know that they yeah, had been yeah. around that long, but yeah. it was I had to scroll way back to find yeah something because they had one uh, episode on your personality type, which is INFJ. That was early. They they went through all 16 and they said basically they explained it and they you know gave advice for if you are that personality type. Um, yeah, and they, and they, know. I mean, like I said, with over 400 episodes. Uh, is this how they, today's going to go? I'm You're just, just going to cut me I off want, the whole time? Uh, yes. No. Um, I was just saying that I had to go way back to find yours, and then um, mine was like recorded like two years after that. They have so many episodes in between. Mm-hmm. And they also break down each individual function, and that's what I wanted. Like if you if you wanted to get in greater detail about each individual function, they have hundreds of episodes to ju- just sort of spiders out from there. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, though, because there's so much of it that's relatable and explains, um, really does explain a lot about how we navigate and operate in the world. Mm-hmm. 
I sent you mine. I said, listen to this. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to li- listen to the first part of it at least. And then you found yours and then I listened to yours. Yeah, I don't remember exactly the first part of yours, but the one thing that stood out for me, which we've already talked about this and this has resonated with me like for a long time with you, but the way you feel and experience. There were two things in there. I know what you're talking about, but there were two things in there. The way you feel and experience the world and sense, um, pick up on others, other feelings of those around you and take that on as if they're your own experiences and feelings. Like you just Mm -hmm. pick up that energy and automatically like, not in every case, but um, that's one of your personality traits. And the way they explained that I thought, which I just wanted to talk about briefly here was, you know, normally you're kind of a con, you know, people are conduits. So that energy flows through us, it passes through us, it moves on. But with your personality type, a lot of times it's, it's like one end is plugged. And so all of that just gets built up, built up, built up. And if you don't have an outlet for it, if you don't have somebody that understands what that experience is for you, that you can release some of that, mm-hmm. you're carrying all of that at, you know, I don't want to say at all times, but that is incredibly draining and stressful mm-hmm. and like overwhelming. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, well, first of all, I guess I also want to say that we've both listened to all these years ago. We're just kind of revisiting this. So this isn't, this isn't entirely new information, but you right. kind of forget stuff. But um, I guess I also want to say too, like, again, I score as an INFJ, you score as an ISTP. INFJ is said to be the rarest personality type with 1.5 to 2% of the population. And it's funny because I feel like a lot of people claimed, you'll hear a lot of people say, everyone claims to be an INFJ. And I hear that. I have taken this test dozens and dozens of times. I've tried to trick it. I have tried to answer questions differently to get different scores in different areas because sometimes like, well, maybe I'm an ISFJ. It's, it's consistently I score as an INFJ. And I reading it, reading about it, I truly am like, that's that hits. But yeah. people want to be an INFJ because... You know, the, they say some of the greatest people in history You're special. are special. I'm a piece of shit. No, you, nobody you know, said that. I'm kidding. But it's I'm just, just funny it's... because it's like people that are said to be INFJs are Gandhi and Jesus Christ and Martin Luther King and like so yeah. <laughs> Mother Teresa, maybe not Mother Teresa. Um, but um, those are, you know, fully evolved INFJs, I guess. But I, I think that why I wanted you to listen to it is because... The thing that's unique about INFJs is that, okay, so they lead with their intuition, Mm -hmm. it says. And that is like our ability to have perspective. So where the the opposition would be somebody that leads with sensations, like the way they're fully in their body, whereas an intuitive person is maybe more in the ethers of the world and they have just this intuitive understanding Mm -hmm. of things. So an INFJ leads with that. They say that they're highly sophisticated in their ability to see the patterns of patterns and that they're highly accurate at that. But so they'll say, like, this is happening and they'll often hear around them. That's not you you don't know that. You can't prove that. Yeah. But it's but they're also highly accurate at it. So it's a very frustrating space to live in and you and I have experienced I mean I think it happens all the time all the time and the frustrating part for an INFJ is they live in that world right you are so tuned into that um, your brain is constantly processing patterns it is it is constantly in a state of looking at but it's the patterns r- related to relational things yeah. like people's behavior yes relationships and those kinds of things. Whereas you are highly attuned to the patterns of the physical well, world. Well, you mentioned sensing. Yeah, you are not focused on the present. That's my weakness. You are focused on all of these patterns and how they play out and recognizing how they mm-hmm. play out and how they will play out yeah. over time. So and the other end of that is the feeling. And so an INFJ has what they call extroverted feeling, which means their feeling is very um, externalized to other to like the people around them and it's about harmony so that they are it's hard for me to talk to you when you're typing and thinking about what you want no to type I, ha- I have i have <laughs> uh, uh you, i want you to go through this but i'm going to read this and i didn't do it for me i just have the infj i have a short 
thing on each mm-hmm. one of those. It's a very basic description. Did you know that when I'm talking to you and you look down and start typing on your phone, it's no different than me interrupting you when you're trying to say something? Because okay. I'm, I'm literally engaged with you. So I'm feeding off of you and you're looking down typing. I'm oh. like, I have no idea what I was going to say next. Uh, I will put it Jesus. down. I wasn't actually typing. I just had a picture. You up. were literally typing. I so watched your thumbs go into I, town. Yeah, I wanted the whole picture to show up and I'm sorry. <laughs> I will listen to you. It says extroverted feeling so that like they, an INFJ is, they're, not only do I, do they have a sophisticated perspective on what's going on in their internal world, they have a sophisticated um, perspective on what's happening in other people's internal worlds and they can plant themselves in the other person's internal world. Then they can see the nuances between two different people and then maybe how a third person affects that person, which is therefore going to affect this person. And I will tell you what, living in a blended family, like that is bit like, again, an INFJ lives in that world of just constantly looking at the patterns and assessing and evaluating. So, you know, I think a blended family like probably adds to there's so many relationships and like so much to like try to pattern and juggle there. But the goal is harmony and the goal is to be concerned with the collective and that is everybody happy and who needs to sacrifice what so that for the greater good type of situation. Yeah. So you're not locked into your perspective. You're able to jump to the, you know, one of the kids perspectives and then you're able to see how that perspective impacts another's perspective and vice versa. Which is why they can be such and a really great level can be such great world leaders because they have a true understanding of what it takes for civilizations and societies to function at an optimum optimum level. Um, oh, there was static there. Did you hear that? Oh, there's more. I did. We'll see what happens. But <laughs> okay. Yikes. Um, one more thing I wanted to just say about that is um, that, oh, I lost it. Hold on, because you got too wrapped up in your little S thing there. You're extro- extroverted sensing things mm-hmm. going on, kicking in. was really getting um, to me. The, this is... Um, Oh, but also that oftentimes people will feel like their mind is red because you are able to pick up on what's happening with them. Mm -hmm. And a good job for a career for people who are INFJs is obviously counsels because counselors, that static is distracting me too, because (laughs) they have the ability to help another observe their own patterns and how their own patterns may be impacting their current struggles in life. Um, and that, I forgot, maybe it'll come back to me. Oh, I know what it was. The downside of this is that you are also fully experiencing the emotional world of the other. And that, like you said, that conduit thing, like learning really good self-care and meditation to sort of release the garbage mm-hmm. energy of that comes in and out or the energy of others around you. And You and I have also observed that. We've talked about this before, but I'll tend to get so wrapped up in whatever emotional storm a person is dealing with. And you've actually, you actually pointed out to me one day, maybe we've already said this on here. We have, but about how like, well, yeah, I'm really in that world. Like that's your, you need to like, that's their world. Like you can step step back from that. So learning about this though, because every person, everybody in general in life and they call it the the car model. But basically, we all function in different capacities. When we're doing, when we're at our best, y- you can use the you know your personality to help others in a way that nobody else can. You truly can relate to them. Mm-hmm. You can experience what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, I have my own challenges. But then when you're not like that, and especially mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you do have the ability to be like. Well, look, I think that person said this because of this, or I think they're they're feeling this, and I, you know, you. I'm saying this. The thing wrong. is, is that I am usually right. That, that's what I was that, just going to say. Like at the end of the right. day, even if I get a specific scenario wrong, the big picture. Yeah. I think we could argue that I haven't been wrong about anything. So the the hard part about that with somebody, especially with my personality, and I think a mm-hmm. lot of other personalities, is that validation piece where. I kind of blow you off a lot of times because I'm like, well, yeah. I don't know that. I can't prove that. And if I can't prove that, I can't say that. Yeah. And I can't, how can I subscribe yeah. to that yeah. model and go like, 
oh my God, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. When it's like, well, that's not fair yeah. for me to do that yeah. because I don't have all the pieces. Yes, because I want, and when we get to you, I want to talk more about why that is specific to you, a unique yeah. challenge. Um, because yeah, the things that I need to look out for, um, you know, I need to, I need to, where I'm weak at is the is my like the concrete physical world, like the concrete evidence that is around me. And then also my ability to be open to an experience and not jump to a conclusion about a situation or cling to an ideal or an opinion and allow openness like that. Those are definite like weaknesses for me. And that also too, like for an INFJ, they tend to, you know, they tend to maybe dwell in this feeling of not feeling understood and that that's so important to them and that they may jump into this victim role and um, kind of be in this despair place. Mm-hmm. So like recognizing that like even if you are a victim, you can sit there forever. Like only you can sort of get your – only you can respond to that. And yeah. I don't mean like – that. I'm using that term loosely, victim, right? Right. You can feel like nobody understands you, the world's against you, yeah. and yeah. because nobody – yeah, nobody quite yeah. gets where you're coming yeah. from. And, and to change that narrative like, well, I know what I'm feeling and experiencing yes. is accurate. Yes. And I know that this is where Which this is, is going. consistent with what I've talked about before, like yeah. coming to this realization like – it doesn't matter if I know what I what I feel is right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like INFJs typically ultimately have to get to that because they're not likely ever to be understood fully by those yeah. around them. But I think and I also think that you are surrounded by a lot of people that are just in general for whatever reason that are not INFJs. like you. <laughs> not INFJs and also yeah. kind of um I would agree on that a different spectrum. I would so, agree with that when I married you. Yeah. That happened to me. Yeah. I, I don't feel like that was my experience until I met you. Yeah, I think it just had, yeah, ab- absolutely. I think it had to do with, you know, you had connections before that you don't have now, uh-huh. and those connections are gone, and those connections or, also. Or less, like, or le- yeah, they're le- not necessarily present. gone, but they're less present. Yeah. So can I, because I have my phone out only mm-hmm. for this purpose, and I'll put it away after this. I just wanted to, this is very short bullet points on each one of the four INFJ things that I can, you've already talked about them a little bit detail, but... Um, so, and this is from, this is just from today, today.com, but so the I is for it's introverted or extroverted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means you tend, uh, towards being introverts and stay in your own head rather than focusing on the outer world, like an extrovert. We already know that mm-hmm. the N means you're intuitive, taking in information and patterns and focusing on the future instead of the present, like a sensory type, mm-hmm. um, you're feeling versus thinking which means you make decisions based on values rather than objective measures. Mm-hmm. Um, and J is for judging, meaning you have somehow I cut this off. So anyway, judging's judging. No, you could say it. You can't find it. No, <laughs> I, I it, um, somehow I'll pull it back up. But anyway, okay. it says here. I don't know why my phone's doing that. that that's what. But judging me. again, judging tend to be people that often they're very neat and orderly. They are organized. They want closure on things. They want to yeah. close the loop on things. They don't like things to be left open ended. You um, you don't you like things to be yes you said planned you don't mm-hmm. like things to be um you're not I don't not adaptable that's not the right word but mm-hmm. you need yeah you uh you can't have things be just kind of spur of the moment you don't do well with that no yeah yeah so the long the the longer description of this says in other words the salad of personality traits supposedly makes us natural born protectors empaths counselors confidants advocates and all around doers not navel gazers according to the internet and it's blah 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 anyway that doesn't matter but okay and I know we've talked about all this stuff before but there's just so much that like you could say about personality typing I find it I find it very interesting. <laughs> Probably as an INFJ, I can spend a lot of time <laughs> thinking about and analyzing my Myers-Briggs personality type. I feel like I'm pretty good at just identifying another person's based on mm-hmm. what I, you know, spend spend some time with them, have to know some things about them. Oops. And then I will, I feel like I'm like starting, I'm me, my, I mean, 
it's just my own thing, but I'm like, I think I got, I think I got that person pegged for their, and certainly everybody is unique, even within a personality typing, you're going to see a vast array of people present in different ways, but it's just, there's also, it's just, it's just a way like you sort of navigate through the world and it's really interesting. Yeah. And I, one thing that they had mentioned on that podcast was, you know, they have a lot of listeners, even though it's only one out of one, one to two out of a hundred people basically are INFJs. Mm -hmm. They say that, um, they have a high number of listeners that are that. And it's like clearly yeah. because you're very interested in right, exactly. understanding and learning. There's a draw to, yeah. to that People type that are of... INFJ are likely on a, a pretty intense search to self-discovery and seeking out yeah. these types of things. Yeah. But so what did you like about the one about you, the stuff about you? You are, you are, you are five, you make up 5.4% of the population. Yeah. So I'm an ISTP, mm-hmm. which is introverted, Seriously? I'm sorry. I thought I silenced it. Okay. Introverted, <laughs> sensing, um, what's T again? Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> I like, just totally. Uh, it could be one of two things, Jim. It could be a feeler or a thinker. Thinker. <laughs> 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 and then uh, P, which is perceiving. Uh-huh. So, um, which so, I think, it. I mean, that describes me to a T. So the, that, that, just that, just, <laughs> just that folks, ISTV describes them to that, a T. That's it. So, no, the, so the, do you want me, I took, you, I, you want me to say that about, say a couple things about. Oh, you, you can, because you actually have some stuff written down. I was going to go off. Yeah. So I was going to wing it because that's what I do With best. the IS, that means that's the introverted sensing. That means you lead with um, accuracy. Like my big thing is leading with perception, perspective. Um, yours is that you lead with accuracy. That's really important for you. You want to know what is logical. The world of feelings is not cool for you. And in fact, your weakness is perspective. You don't like perspective. That's like, you got no time for that because you can't prove that with what's in front of you. So that's again, where you and I really differ on this one. Cause my lead is your, your, it's like the, the machine, um, you know, I, I when it when it comes to my personality, I'm good at problem solving and figuring out how things work and how things operate. Mm-hmm. Very much on a, um, I don't want to say always a black and white level, but it's, it is. It's based on logic and accuracy. This makes this work this mm-hmm. way, and when you hone that in, you can be very precise and very accurate, and you can um, get very competency is a big one for me as, as being competent and worried about being competent. Yes. But when yes. I can focus on that, I can have a lot of competency, competency yeah. in an area. Yeah. Whereas I, one of the, I in according, like, again, these are this, you can find this stuff anywhere, but when we were just listening to the podcast today, the highlights were that whereas I have this deep need to feel understood, you have a deep need to be seen as competent. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they talked about how people who are ISTPs are very skilled with anything that do, has to do with machines. Like, you know, you ha, you and I, I totally agree with this. You just have this innate, inherent ability to know how things work, how yeah. any machine operates, how our house functions, how, like, in a way when that they, I've never observed. Yeah, before. when they talk about machines, it doesn't mean literal. a yeah. literal machine. It's yeah. just logical functioning yeah like systems systems and i think that's probably one reason why you like your job so much they say that an istp can do any job very well so again most any job yeah yeah. they can't do your job they shouldn't be counselors or anybody that handles people with care when it comes to feelings but it's i just found it so interesting because i mean you could work with the human body even like you know potentially be a physician that just Mm -hmm. understands the functions of the systems. Yeah. So, um, a a quick, I I guess the, when I'm functioning at my best is that I can excel in the area of being that person that can run things, keep things, you know, understand how the system works and make the system work and lead the system, um, or lead others to make sure the system works. That's what I'm doing my best. And people will, according to that when I'm at my best, people will respect me and look at me and see me as competent. When I'm not at my best, I might feel like others are looking at me. They're, 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 you know, I might be projecting my lack of confidence and come across as I think they think I'm not confident or they 
don't see me as I am. And then I don't perform because I might withdraw from that. And I might, you know, say, mm. I don't want to put myself out there instead of embracing that and saying, well, I, cause if I, if I'm at my best self, I can hear the criticism or hear or see somebody say, well, you could do that better and actually take that in as feedback and the real world feedback and use that to even leap above that, you know, take one step further and actually do it even better. But when I'm not at my best, I, I might tune that feedback out and then I'm in a little bit of a silo in mm-hmm. my own world saying I can make it, I can make this thing work well, this system work well. That Is that relatable to you? Did that hit? Uh. Yeah, no, I mean, I, there are situations that I've gotten to where I've, um, maybe I f- I'm feeling that somebody is seeing me as not, and we've talked about this on here plenty of times, where I've felt like, oh, they don't see me as competent, and that mm-hmm. shakes my confidence, and then I might stop instead of just, you know, persevering and saying, I'm pushing past that, and I'm going to prove that I do know this, and I can do this, mm-hmm. and I'm going to learn from that. Mm-hmm. I have done that in the past. Um, and I've withdrawn from that and I've gotten stubborn about that. So I've definitely seen that play out. I think I, I, over the years I've seen where I've, you know, pulled back in areas instead of leading Okay. because of that. Yeah. Well, it also, I mean, it talks about too with this personality that like there's frustration when a system or a machine or system isn't functioning as it should. Like there's a lot of it shouldn't be this way. This, you know, this doesn't make well, sense. That, you know me. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I can't. This is bullshit. Why isn't this working right? This should work mm-hmm. right. Or I'm complaining about somebody who isn't, you know, mm-hmm. carrying their weight and doing what they're supposed to be doing because this isn't complicated. This is easy. Your mm-hmm. task is this and you should do this and mm-hmm. you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get very, yeah, occasionally I get very worked up about things like that. Yeah. Yeah, but then you don't want to confront them yourself. You just want to go gossip about them. Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> I'm just you know. kidding. We've actually <laughs> talked about that recently. Like, for, even for myself, like recognizing, like, I, because we, we all succumb to gossip. I think sometimes gossip or like complaining, to, uh, if we have a, a complaint about somebody, going to somebody else and just lamenting instead of like, going to the person like i've recognized that more i've been been so much more intentional lately about like i'm not going to complain about this to anybody because i'm choosing not to address it with the person directly so i i don't even deserve to talk about this with anybody else I, i can't say i'm i'm definitely conscious of it and i've tried to make sure i point out or question the person if they're if they're saying something to me then i'm like well did you did you try this or did you think about it this way or did you go back and approach this this way? And when I get that, you know, where they don't do that, then I catch myself sometimes sharing that with somebody else and gossiping about it, well, which is not good. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, yeah, actually, I think I kind of called you that out, called you out on that recently. And I was like, you shouldn't be doing that. First of all, it's yeah. just, I don't know. There's so many reasons why we shouldn't. Of course. We shouldn't do that because... I don't. I mean, know. There, I mean there are, you can you can also pretty much guarantee that if somebody you find yourself gossiping with somebody, yeah, somebody else is gossiping. About no, you. that person also gossips about yeah, you. Yeah. You know, like that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, so no, and I fully recognize that. And there are things that I won't do that with, but there are other things that I, you know, of course, it's like I just want to share this with somebody because I'm annoyed by it, and it's like I yeah. try to bite my tongue yeah. sometimes, but sometimes I don't always. Yeah, it's same, but and that's where I'm just start like starting to recognize like I need to have some restraint there because yes. it's not. It's not, definitely a, we, I think we talked about productive. this before, but it is a goal. It is a goal of mine <laughs> to get better. I'll never, I will not ever say I'm going to stop doing it altogether because I guarantee that's not going to happen, but uh-huh. I will work on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but okay. Because, you know, that's similar to you retreating that, that issue that sort of causes retreat that you just described. Um, they were talking about for an INFJ, the after a while of just feeling chronically misunderstood that there's a retreat, like just, they mm-hmm. just stop talking about what's going on yet. They're also simultaneously again, obsessed with in that, that world. So it feel, it can feel isolating. Um, but, and I thought it was interesting cause they sort of talked about how, you know, the antidote to that is what we've talked about before that I've been kind of working on is that you just don't exert that energy with, with, in those with this if it's with a person or a situation like you just retreat your energy 
and you find, you know, you can still be cordial and work on having a superficial relationship, maybe in that scenario, but then continue to sort of cultivate the relationships where you do have some real connection and some feelings of yeah relatability and feeling understood. But they said that that can be a, a, a huge difficulty for you in intimate relationships, because if you're with somebody mm-hmm. like me that doesn't relate to that and is, you know, able to maybe compartmentalize better or focus on what's in front of me right now. And I, that's not my, you know, my issue. It's not really my purview because it might be happening over here, but I'm not feeling that same experience. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't have that, it's hard for you to have an intimate relationship if you can't find people to relate to you in that same way, because of course we need to feel understood and we need to feel validated and heard and that's one of those things that's like a very tricky... Well, intimacy is also hard for the INFJ because... I'm talking about you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because okay. they said that like one of two things can happen. You can just sort of decide not to try to connect with anyone mm-hmm. or that you hesitate to... I mean, I do do this. You hesitate to let somebody fully in because once they're in, they're in for right. you. So you're just really careful about who you do yeah. fully let in. It's very selective, yep. which I would agree with. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, and, and it says, and it was just kind of funny, again, when we go back to the circle of people you might have surround, you know, a lot of the things that you might say, they, they mention it in that podcast, comes across maybe as being woo-woo, like being able to not predict the future, but see a pattern play out and recognize this is going to happen. Um, and some people are like, they don't you want to specifically are adverse to that. Like literally, yeah. I think I've gotten better ISTP, at that, but yes, no, but the my personality ISTP type for sure. Personality type is, is especially yeah. adverse to that. Again, they want, if it's not verifiable, they don't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And you can't verify this. So what I always find, but fun- it's just this knowing. What I find funny <laughs> about this too, and we just talked about this the other day was you mentioned that for me, like watching movies, I can predict yeah, you know, I know. 75% of the exactly. movies. And I'm like, how the hell can you not do that when you are picking up on all of these patterns and in, in, in relationships and everything else along the way? Because typically yeah. that's what it's about. It's some kind of relationship I guess or, you've, out, you know. Because I don't know, just, maybe because my, maybe because an INFJs is so sophisticated and complex that it could go like many different ways. But I feel like because you've already decided there's only five options. I don't know that I decide that there's only five options. I guess that's true. If you look you at it, I mean? if you look at it like a machine, <laughs> yeah, it's a, you're it's looking a, at it like a machine. It's something that's being processed through, yeah. and the way that it works has to work a certain way in order for the formula the, to work. Uh, that's exactly what I meant. So, Thank you for yeah. explaining it okay. that way. No, yes. that makes that makes yes. sense. I just you which know. is always frustrating me about you because the irony there. I think we've talked about this before. I actually, can't on figure here out the formula. is that I would be like Jim. How could you not understand how I feel about a personal <laughs> situation? But you figured out how this mo- this romantic thriller is going to end like i don't understand yeah. <laughs> like, like you can understand the nuances of the psychology of the characters and how it's going to play out i'm confused but then when you said there's only like five options i was like oh that's interesting mm-hmm. and so i've narrowed it, it down like a, in like a machine almost like a statistics type problem where yeah. it's okay yeah Yes, it's possible they all make it out at the end and everything's fine, but, yeah. you know, there's... Because those movies are always so yeah. suspenseful. Like, those are the ones that aren't predictable. That's why I said the thrillers, because, like, specifically for me, that's what's always... And they're usually heavily nuanced in, like, human behavior type things and emotions, right? So mm-hmm. that's where I've always been confused about that, but it's edge of your seat. Things are constantly turning, whereas, like, a romantic comedy, we all know how that's going to end. Right. You know what I right. mean? But, yeah, so... I never knew that there was only like five options. Yeah. I just never knew that. Thank you yeah. for that knowledge. I mean, not literally <laughs> five options, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think um, I'm not alone in that, but I was talking to Christopher yesterday while we were studying for his English class and talking about dramatic irony and situational irony. Oh, because he had his we're, English we're, exam We're working today. on some of that. <laughs> and this probably was a the totally wrong, it was probably an incorrect example to use, but one thing that came to my mind while I was trying to explain some of that stuff and how it works. Well, you know, the audience knows what's going on. The characters don't know what's going on. I'm like, well, an example would be if you're in a thriller and the killer's behind the corner and, like, the characters don't see them, but everybody else does. Like, and again, probably Mm -hmm. a poor example, but trying to give a, like, physical Mm -hmm. illustration Mm -hmm. of what Mm -hmm. that would look like. But 
the movie Scream came to mind on that because mm. it's like that to me is one of those like kind of classic movies that like I I mean I don't know that anybody would have predicted somebody obviously would but how that movie did would you play. predict it do you remember it was I don't remember ago. but I don't think so I okay, feel like that one okay. was one that caught every, and I might be I, I don't remember but <clears> I, I feel like that was one it was so popular for a lot of reasons but because it really did catch most people mm. off guard it didn't fit the typical theme of how that type of movie would go okay and so that one for some reason just came back in my head was like oh yeah that was that was one of those ones that i and again i don't remember but i i highly doubt i predicted that one where most of a lot of movies like that are pretty easy to okay figure out. okay anyway well i was like sidebar full circle going back to the beginning here you know this is going to sound speaking of infj sounding woo woo <laughs> i was joked with you all the time Going back to this conversation about AI, I'm like, who says we're not AI? Like, why are we, why do we oh, keep freaking out over AI? Like, we're AI, are we not? Like, how do you distinguish? Uh, that, you know, and it's funny because you hear that, and again, armchair expert, Dax jokes about that a lot. We've been joking about it for years. I uh-huh. feel like even before that, obviously, uh-huh. it's becoming more of a common theme that people are putting out there is this whole I mean, thing could be a simulation gotta, you just you know? gotta look at your natal chart and you're like whoa this is some ai shit right here I, I, yeah exactly <laughs> the, the chances of this being the formula for how this works and and being so close yeah and this even this myers-briggs stuff you know i know yeah answer 90 <laughs> questions and here's who you are uh-huh. this is how you function in the world and uh-huh. by the way Here's how you are at your best, you know, mm-hmm. your your worst. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's like... Mm-hmm. This is what triggers you. This is what exactly. balances you. Exactly. This is what... Flourishes. And then we find each other together in this relationship, and mm-hmm. we just... <laughs> we run the so whole spectrum of there is, the dynamic of how our... I'm just fangirling the personality hacker podcast today, I guess, but like... There was also an episode <laughs> that I stumbled across, across that they did about energy awareness and energy management. And one of the hosts, this was actually a couple of years ago now, it was an older episode, um, sort of hired an energy management coach, I guess, um, oh. who's really famous. Apparently, he's worked with a lot of Hollywood people. You'll have to listen to that episode. Okay. But uh, again... I've actually been sort of, and not in the same way, but really kind of introducing myself to this, more to this real concrete idea that we're all just sort of energy and we need to Mm -hmm. know our energy and manage our energy. And that therapist that I've been working with, um, she refers me to a lot of cool stuff. And this one thing is actually really woo-woo. It's called, but it's this... um, it's actually like an online course or it's like an online, what would you call that? It's like a, you could order it on CD or you can download it digitally. Okay. Um, through Sounds. A virtual course. Yeah. It's through Sounds True, which is like a platform for a lot of mental health teachers, coaches, spiritual. I mean, it covers kind of all that stuff. Um, but it's called the Anatomy of Energy. And this lady, Susan, it's Miss, I think, M-Y-S-S. She's like this, I mean, I've never knew anything about her before. She's been around for decades, though. And she she has this whole course on ener- the anatomy of energy. And she relates it to, like, she brings in Western and Eastern. Like, she uses a lot of chakra stuff, but then also relates, like, the world's religions and related to energy management and chakra. And, I mean, it's really it was really, like, kind of like, oh, wow, that's mind-blowing. But also just some real simple things, like, this idea of like, again, I think it's like sort of defining or getting curious or becoming aware of your own energy, whether it's through personality mm-hmm. typing or astrology charts or whatever, or just sort of, you know, beginning to get familiar with what sort of sets you off each day or what sort of puts you in your flow. And, um, but this idea of like, we often plug our energy into other people. Mm-hmm that are depleting our energy. And I know that sounds simple when it comes out of my mouth, but it's actually a really profound concept. And like when we find that we're stuck, which is I was feeling kind of stuck there for a minute, I realized I was plugging my energy 
into people where I was almost like I was also trying to work out a narrative. Yeah. Like I wanted these people to understand me, you know, INFJ thing. And I was like plugging all my energy into that, whether it was literal or sort of um, just like metaphorical, like just thinking in my head, like, no, I, I am right about this, or I yeah. am this, or I am that, I am that, or it doesn't matter. The point was, is that I found myself in that space and it's depleting and it it's puts you at a lower energy level. You find that you even might start self-sabotaging and you're just not acting your, within your best self. So, but she introduced me to this idea of like, unplug your energy from that source. You're not, nothing's happening with that. No. Bring it back to yourself. But then like you have all this, now now it's back to you. Right. It needs to go somewhere. Like now what are you going to do with it? That's where you start getting back to your purpose. Like your energy has a purpose. Each of us, our energy has this purpose, this idea. And like manifesting it now from there through your own creativity. It's been really great. So it's funny because just thinking about that, it, it it's it's kind of like that distance or pursuer relationship where you're putting energy, you're chase, your your energy is chasing something else, and as you chase that, it's yeah. like a magnet in, uh, that are in opposite directions. That yeah. is the other the other energy is pushing away in this, so you keep generating more. But one thing that just struck me about what you said with your energy is it has to go somewhere, and I think that's mm-hmm. a little bit different with an INFJ, especially, and with your personality, is because you. Like I said, you, you're like an energy collector in a lot of ways. And if you mm-hmm. don't use that energy to put it out there, mm-hmm. unlike me where I might have this and it might pass through and I might get negative or something else, but like ultimately I'm putting it back out somehow, mm-hmm. you are like almost like collecting it. And so mm-hmm. it's it, from that standpoint, it is not only draining, but it's like it has to be. It reminds me of like a constant like buzzing or something. Like it's just noise. It would feel like to maybe. me. I, I think. Does yeah, that maybe. Resonate with you at all, or is it like? Yeah, but I was also kind of thinking as you were saying that though that like, if you think about like like again, my purpose is sort of like with if I'm going to look at this through this INFJ lens, and this is just my interpretation here. I'm I'm ga- I'm constantly assessing perspective, right? I'm leading with perspective in a real complex way when it comes to relationships and emotions. And then I'm also considering harmony. Mm-hmm. And if I find myself stuck in one area where that's not happening, my energy gets stuck there. And so that's where I have to recognize, pull it back. Like, so yeah. when it comes to like life, again, life purpose stuff, like I still, my energy still needs to sort of kind of come out and do that thing, but I need to, I need to pull it back where it's not working, yeah. right? But for you, you said that, and I was like, well, no, if yours is about like systems and machines and assessing functionality and improving, I feel like you get to sort of meet that through work. Well, that's what I'm saying. So is- you're not even you're not even stuck in a spot where you're plugging in and you're feeling like this isn't working. Like you're thriving in that space. So I'm thriving in that space, and if that space isn't working for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I can distract myself in the physical world and go take on something else to put that energy into, whether it's a project around the house or something else, where with you being more in a uh, focused on relationships in that space and feelings. In the collective In the collective, like if you don't have that outlet, that's not something where you can go in the garage and go build something and, and well like, I can that's where I need to retreat okay. that's you what could. this was saying though <laughs> that's where I need to retreat my energy yeah. and recognize that's not happening here for you but also re- you set a boundary there that's what I was talking about boundary okay. management is huge for INFJs like put a boundary there because what happens is a, there's a lot you get stuck in this approval disapproval thing like I need your approval and I don't like your disapproval yeah. so if I'm sensing disapproval it's like no put your boundary up the INFJ can say I don't agree with your disapproval I'm going to, I'm, but I'm, I'm, you know, I don't need to be at odds with you, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to retreat my energy from that. And, and I'm going to go ahead and be in the space where there is approval or, or more, you know, mm-hmm. healthy, really, again, it's, it's managing healthy relationships, knowing which ones are going to be superficial yeah. and which ones are going to be deeply connected and harnessing that power from a place of authority. Um, but I had a question for you. Do you think that 
you have found yourself stuck in it. I mean, I get it. They're saying that INFJs, I mean, and nobody wants to hear this, but they're highly sensitive and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, <laughs> so I understand that I may be more profoundly impacted by these things than you yeah. are. However, do you think that maybe you've been sort of fortunate in the fact that you haven't felt really stifled when it comes to your outlet? Because I, I feel like your outlet gets really met in your professional life. Yes, I feel lately especially, I feel like it's met. I, there's been periods of time over the years because I've I've been in the same environment for over 20 years. There have definitely been periods of time where I feel stuck and, you know, I'm feeling down and, uh, yes. So that's happened even in my professional career. And I think that's that's one of the things is when, yeah, when you're not functioning as your best self, then you start not only self-doubting, but you, any information you get from other people you're second guessing or you're mm -hmm. questioning mm -hmm. are they you know are they upset with me did i do something wrong but i'm not did i, I do don't do have the personality wrong? to address that mm -hmm. when i'm in a state where i don't feel like i'm at my so best so what happens if you feel like well the irony there is too maybe it's not irony but incompetence may come up for you then in our relationship because you d your personality type is so adverse to perspective and mm -hmm. I'm so and I'm leading with that so that's an area where maybe you have a lot of feelings of incompetence around whether it's your own incompetence or whether or not you feel like it's just not it's not verifiable information yeah. so the information lacks competence like I could see. Well, sometimes where I that... might project that onto you and, and and make it your incompetence and be like, "It's mm -hmm. your fault. You don't get this. Like you're mm -hmm. the one that needs to figure this out because I can see this pattern. I can see how this works. This system works this way. You're not operating from that same space I am. So I might I might push that onto you mm -hmm. and make it like it's your fault instead of taking ownership of it. So when you feel like you are not operating your best because your powers are not utilized as they could be? Like, what do you feel like happens for you? Do you know even? Uh, yeah, I feel like I, I get a little bit withdrawn. Um, I tend to want to distract myself with something else to keep my mind occupied and to put my energy into that I will feel competent at or at least not... Um, incompetent <laughs> yeah so and when it's a relational issue like between us when something comes up obviously that's my biggest struggle that's always been my biggest struggle is on a relational level with somebody else where there's a rub of some kind and again being authentic and addressing it and being able to just talk through it mm -hmm. um and one of the things they said about ISTPs, which is um, pretty typical. Now I'm just drawing a blank. Oh, we we tend to go against the grain, and we tend to be um, not self-aware about social norms and things like that. Yeah, but you know what else they said, which I found was really interesting, was that in the space of perspective and the feeling situation, that it's such an area of inferiority for you mm -hmm. that you will withhold information or lie or do this yes. this game of gymnastics with yes. a person because you're too afraid just to be honest so you'll sort of manipulate people yeah yeah in, in that space Does that it's, make you feel good about yourself no it's, it's awful it's <laughs> awful and i'm owning it right now because it's because we talked about that in another podcast yeah. about how I'll be like, why did you lie about that? Right. That's such a benign thing. And you're in, I feel like this is just, again, that sort of. No, and that actually resonated with me today when I heard that, because it is, it's like, you've always asked me, I don't understand why you would lie about that thing because it's, yeah, it's like a white lie. It's a, it's a, it's such a benign thing. It doesn't, and it's like, because addressing it, telling you the truth would result in something else in, in our, um, relational, um, uh, connection that we have. In yeah. Well, some you way. want to end a conversation. I, it just you yeah. want to exit a, com I'm a conversation manipulate this as by, fast as yeah, possible. Okay. The an easiest answer here is to say uh, no the, because the that part just for you is that you're on. married to an INFJ who sees right who through sees all right that through shit it and feels the energy that and I'm then, putting out there. If anything that, else, you've just made the problem worse. Yeah. Right. So if you ever wonder if I'm a pathological <laughs> liar, the answer is no because you always feel the energy and you always know it's coming up. So. But no, it's always on something that's so benign and so stupid. And after the yeah. fact, I'm and like, like, oh, again, my God, I can't believe I did that. It's not just with but... me. It's with, with everybody. Yeah. And it just yeah. drives me bananas yeah. because, yeah. Like I said, that's something that I've been putting a lot of energy into because it is. It's like I don't need I, – I 
I can be who I am and I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I can, I can be, I can feel confident in that. Yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah. But so these inferior complexes or cognitive functions that we have though, the inferiors are where all of us got to be doing the work. So yeah. my inferior is this, my sensing and we've talked about this for, oh my God, I'm sorry. What is wrong with you? My, I need to do my work there. Like I need, and that's where I feel like I've been really centered. I'm never going to master that. Intu- intuition is my thing, but I can, as my therapist said, I can never lean too far into sensing. Like that's never Mm going to be a problem for me. So really focusing on my body (laughs) and tuning in. I mean, I'm just doing it. I could say the the same about feeling, right? I mean, yes. And so even for feeling, like I can never lean too far into thinking. Um, Actually, no, that's not true. I think I'm screwing that up. My inferior complex is sensing. Your inferior complex is is intuition. I don't know that the same rule applies with the thinking feeling thing. I don't, that might be a little different. I need to do a little more research on that end of it. So I, I I originally thought it did, but now I'm starting to think maybe that's a whole different ball game there, but I need to get more information on that. So one thing, if, if somebody is listening to this and they're unfamiliar with kind of how this plays out and what your, you know, best self is, but that, that car model I referred to again, and personality hacker will explain it much better, but there's your three-year-old self, your ten-year-old. They self. talk about that, and that's just the right. same thing. It, like, like you're, Carl you're, Jung would have just used the word inferior yeah. function. Yes, your co-pilot, and then yeah. you know, basically driver. Yeah, they really it's break like, it down. I you think right. I, I don't want to. I have the book. I haven't read it in a while, but I don't know that we're we can speak intelligently about their model. I just listened to it today. I'm you just, get it all. Well, I, I'm driver, not three-year-old, ten-year-old pilot, co-pilot. Like, I can't. I can't explain <laughs> the new. I can. You can understand the nuances of those four positions. Okay. I can't explain when. Okay, you're the driver and you're working. You know, acting uh-huh, as your co-pilot. Uh-huh. I can't explain all the differences, but it's pretty obvious when you're acting as your ten-year-old self and your three-year-old self. To put that in a little bit of perspective, is yeah. how would if. You know, to go back to how so you're I think op- are so. Is that what and- they're saying then? Well, I guess I needed now. This might be clicking in for me. Are they saying the ten-year-old self would be my thinking, but my three-year-old self is my sensing because that's my most? No, I don't think superior? so. I think that that's just the where you're at as far as I'm. I'm at my best. I'm feeling full confidence in who I am, I and I'm the driver. D- and then there's the co-pilot comes in a little bit. That is a little I bit. I know, too. but I do think they differentiate okay. between 10 and 3-year-olds. So I, I need to look into that. Okay, I'm well curious. then you Maybe can Maybe we'll report that. back. Maybe we won't. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Maybe the audience can just remain They can listen to that podcast curious. and then get all the information they, can buy they the want. buy the book. It's a good book. Um, um, but anyways, yeah. So, But it, the goal is to, le- either way, it's to lean into the contrary. So yes, yeah. my I've, I'm going to go to feeling first, but I need to lean in. I, sometimes I need to pause and think more, whereas you need to maybe pause and feel right yes. overthinking and perceiving and judging. Like I need to be more open to experience and not jump to a conclusion or an, cling to an ideal or an absolute. And then you maybe be maybe be open to committing to a conclusion on something rather than everything needs to be open. I need yeah. everybody needs to be completely flexible here that sometimes we need some, some structure, some structure and, and routine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I was going to add and it's, it's again, it's a little bit on a tangent, but through that same podcast, different, um, episode, but they were talking about, um, you know, your shadow. And lately we've, yeah. we've heard a lot about you. You've been hearing it forever, but yeah. lately in a lot, you know, there's yeah, a lot about the shadow, the shadow, the shadow. Mainstream now. And I've always, you know, don't want to even want to admit this, but struggled a little bit with that, that concept of what that means and mm-hmm. what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've asked me like, well, what's your shadow? What's your, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to like figure out what this looks like. But they had somebody on who described it as basically, you know, you're walking down the street and, you're walking and you're presenting that to the world. You know, I'm walking and this is who I am. That's what the world sees and yeah. that's so that's who I am. And then you're you're dragging basically a duffel bag behind you and all of the things you don't like about yourself, you're dragging in that bag. So mm-hmm. they're still going with you, but you're mm-hmm. hiding it from the world by mm-hmm. keeping it in that bag. So mm-hmm. those things about your personality that might bother you, mm-hmm. that those are the things that are going to probably trigger you. Because mm-hmm. you can relate to them, but you don't want to 
own that. Yeah. They're the parts that you, according to Carl Jung, they're the parts that you keep hidden. Yeah. You like to pretend they don't exist yeah. about you. They're oftentimes they're parts that we think we don't like. Um, yeah. Yeah. When I heard it described that way, that was like, okay. I mean, again, it's such a stupid, simple example. And you're not always aware of them either. Right. Some people suppress them so far down, yeah. they're not you even You really aware have of them. to dig deep to yeah. recognize, oh, yeah. that's my shadow. I yeah. don't like that because this yeah. is something about myself yeah. I have in me that I don't yeah. like. Yeah, and there's a whole lot more I could say about all of that. Obviously, yeah, I know. But, That's... but I think we covered a lot. I think I want to get in the hot. We got our little hot, little portable hot tub, and I think in the, in the vein of self care and yeah, I would like to go. We did a little did uh, stretch quick. yoga and <laughs> yeah. a little meditation and focus uh, yoga. We did focus, focus yoga. Sorry, focus which is yoga. also super great for body awareness yeah. and embodiment type stuff. I think. And then we did meditation, and then we did this. Yeah, and this is a good time to stop because I think this is the second or third episode where your the little windscreen on your microphone or your little foam cap on it is not pushed back all the way. And I've been staring at this for the past hour. All right, good reason. I know, and it's it's (laughs) it's annoying me. I need to fix it. I need need to remember to fix it. So just pointing that out. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that was a fun talk about my favorite topics. Yeah. Love you. Love you too. (laughs) Bye.